Source and source energy. Blessing us with adversity. Birthing visions of freedom. Where curses used to be. Hey, hey, everybody. And welcome back to another episode of True Chat, a community podcast, another May music production. And I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds. And this, my friends, is episode seven of season six. <laughs> yes, we are moving into spring, but we still on the same numbers, okay? Well, I am so excited to share this new voice that we have on True Chat. And you all know on True Chat, we're very organic with our conversations. Now, there's always a structure, but I always allow spirit to take the room. And that means organic conversation. You have topics, but they always lead into what we really want to talk about, what's truly on our hearts. And it can only be led by ones that really are true at heart. So saying that to say, throughout this episode, you'll hear you'll hear us touch on topics like elitist theories and the educated poor, okay? <laughs> Cultural values and lack thereof or how ours are backwards, possibly. And my favorite... <laughs> nah, I'm gonna say that for the end. And today, I was asked by community leaders to give some type of disclaimer, letting the public know that the different interviews and the different opinions that are expressed on this podcast that I, you know, I may or may not share those opinions. And, you know, they have different little clauses, but I'd say I'm different. The difference between me and that generation of how, of media is I am acquiring or requiring people to account for themselves. I'm not going to pretend I am a leader, but I only want to lead other leaders and aspiring leaders, a totally different energy. So I'm a teacher, a coach. I want people to be responsible for themselves. That's what I teach, even in their thinking. So I put information out. You figure out if I believe it or if I believe it, if I agree with it or not. Is that what this podcast is about? No, it's not. Understand that I have had to account all my life. So that leads me into a conversation that I had trying to work out an establishment with a Black-owned company to host podcasts to have community conversations with topics most people don't want to touch or deal with because they're in it deep. And so as the owners listened to my story. There was a man and a woman, a, a, a wife and husband team. The wife went in and before anything, she just started telling me, you know what? We were saying the same thing in the 60s. Is what you're doing political? Because we don't do politi politics here. 
We don't want to take sides. And one of the things that really stuck with me, which is where that generation is, the older generation. This is that baby boomer generation. She said, I have a fear coming into work. I just want to do good for the community. I want to share. I want to have a space where the community, biz, people, I'm a business owner. People that run, have their businesses can share their businesses and network for the most part. But if you're living in fear to come in a place, you can't even see what you are creating around you. How do you do it? And then as the conversation went on, the truth came out. The truth was, well, what if everybody don't agree with you? And then the husband asked me, are you facilitating a conversation or are you siding in a conversation? And as Joy always speaks the truth, I try to let him know there's always a side, but I'm a trained facilitator. So I'm going to keep it real with you. And that's what True Chat is about. That's why we're having the conversations because there are different people with different opinions and feelings about things that we're not sharing. And those unconscious beliefs that we have, again, they keep us from working together. She also disclosed something else that, believe it or not, I'm on the same page. And that's why I keep saying this year, you better ask yourself, is freedom a choice? And if so, what choice will you make? And if not, why is it not for you? Black people, when are we going to learn that we don't have to agree with each other to love each other and work together? Understand, that's how we, how we remain where we are. Producing fear. I always have to remember the thing that I told you all about truth. And she straight showed me that mirror. You are truth. And when it comes in, when truth hits you, it pisses you off. It makes you uncomfortable. And I made her very uncomfortable until she shook her truth out. Ha! I'm coming for you, black women in Chicago. Let's talk. Because the men ain't afraid. We talking this Tuesday. Where y'all at? Let's go. always do we introduce ourselves so please sir tell the people who you are bless you all i'm the reverend dr aaron j mcleod in chicago i go by reverend attorney uh, i am the senior pastor of warm united methodist church here in chicago church that is 93 years old i'm my vocational ordained clergy serving in the united methodist church and i'm also a licensed attorney uh, here in Illinois, and I've been practicing law for the last 16 years. What branch? Or what, what, uh, what, pra what uh, focus? What's your focus? Focus is real estate transactions, uh -huh. estate planning, and uh, do some uh, structured negotiations as well. Which actually leads me into the first question. How do you use your resources or your talents in the community? So before we even get into that, tell everybody where this where this church is. Uh, we are located in the Washington Park community of Chicago, 
We are a stone's throw away from the University of Chicago, going west. Uh, we're right off of Garfield, uh, one block uh, south, uh, at the intersection of, uh, of uh, 56 and Indiana, on the south side of Chicago. So this podcast is focused on neighborhoods, Inglewood and neighborhoods like Inglewood. Mm -hmm. This neighborhood is, as far as I'm concerned, most of the neighborhoods and communities in Chicago are very much like Inglewood. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing, and the one, the the things that separate them are truly niches. Mm -hmm. You know, we may get into some of those niches, but I have a, I feel my, I was led to this conversation, and you through. I, I had no idea that I was coming into it. I came here to meet with Ripper, if you remember, mm -hmm. the director, and, and we were meeting about uh, mm -hmm. some work as it relates to, you know, the podcast, mm -hmm. but it was, uh, you know, promotional pieces. Mm -hmm. And in the conversation that him and I had, he shared uh, his background as it relates, his faith, his religious background. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was so similar it spoke, it resonated with me throughout my, with my family. Mm -hmm. He mentioned like Jehovah Witness. Mm -hmm. Jehovah Witnesses is pretty much what he grew up and what he grew up knowing, mm -hmm. all he knew as it relates to mm -hmm. religion. So mm -hmm. his experience here and what you bring was something revolutionary for him, mm -hmm. but something that fed him and he kept, he keeps coming. Yes. So for him to do the work that he does here too, mm -hmm. And if you ever watch it, you can see the shine. You can yes. always see. I'm talking about my past. My past being high school. Yeah. And you know the high school I went to. Yeah. Piney Woods Country yeah. Life yeah. School. Yeah. 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 And in comes. <laughs> okay, Pastor McLeod. I'm sorry, Reverend, which was, mm -hmm. which is actually my first question. Uh -huh. Okay, so I'll come back to that. Reverend McLeod. And is is that okay to call you that? Is that what? Yeah, Pastor. That either okay. or. Reverend Attorney. And when I heard your name, I was like, bing, 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 bing. Mm -hmm. Because everything means something to me. Yes, yes. So I, I did a piece mm -hmm. about Piney Woods mm -hmm. and my healing from what I experienced mm -hmm. with Piney Woods. And one of the personal, very personal pieces mm -hmm. was with the Miss McLeod. All right. All so right. it led me, so that name uh, led me, you know, to know. And I, mm -hmm. I understand adversity to be something very different now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know it to be something very different. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's a, I wouldn't necessarily say a welcoming thing, but I do. Mm -hmm. I feel that uh, it led me to, you were someone that I needed to speak to. You had mm -hmm. something for me. And in the message, whatever you had to say, mm -hmm. and I feel like the way that we do in on True Chat mm -hmm. is the interview usually leads itself. Mm -hmm. It's usually a conversation. Mm -hmm. Though I come prepared with questions, mm -hmm. but it's usually a conversation. So I really wanted the public or the listeners to know what led me to you. How, do, how did I, I even get here to have a question or a conversation mm -hmm. with you? So with that being said, how do you bring who you are into your community, mm -hmm. into this community? Gotcha. So, a lot of times, people say, um, and it's more common now, and it's still rare, but more common now, 
to have ordained clergy who's also a licensed attorney. Uh, Benjamin Hooks, the former head of the NAACP, um, trained here in Chicago uh, for law school, went to Lemoyne Holland, Owens College down in Memphis, historically black college. Uh, he pastored uh, in Detroit Baptist Church, but he too uh, arguably was the uh, predecessor of folk like myself who are by vocation, who are practicing law as well as serving as ordained clergy. Uh, with the intention of providing what I would call an institutionalized uh, liberation, theologically underpinning ministry, whereby the joke used to be, how can you be a lawyer and a preacher? One is supposed to tell a lie, the other one's supposed to tell the truth. But in one's ignorance of making that joke, and I use that word ignorance, not as a child or as a diss, but simply not knowing. The role of the Old Testament prophet was to advocate for justice on behalf of God's people. They go hand in hand. The advocacy as a barrister, as well as the advocacy as a person who subscribes to prophetic ministry, whereby I am speaking truth to power, challenging the hearts of God's people to turn from their, their, their wicked ways and hear the clearing call of God to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. So, the training as a lawyer, now mind you, I'm a transactional attorney, but really the last the last three or four years, my, my law practice was a ministry. Uh, discounted rates, trying to ensure, in particular, for the African American community, people had estate plans and so they would not be encumbered with family property when probate court. And now that is morphing into real estate transactions to ensure that people in our community are one, not underbanked, two, taking advantages of purchasing property in Chicago, Chicago Lane area, with the intention that they take advantage of the nominal tax breaks, but more importantly, the upside of the equity gain through investment. So for example, one of my clients most recently uh, was, is rather, a um, single parent mother, three children, works for CPS, teacher licensed credential, fixed income. And uh, she was purchasing um, property uh, going west, south of 87th Street, in a neighborhood that holds value here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of her going through that program or through that process, we got her some down payment assistance where she came to the table with no money, ended up um, leaving the, <laughs> the sales table as a purchaser, you know, with a check for north of $2,500. On a property that she couldn't see herself buying, um, you know, that arguably she couldn't afford, but pressing upon her to make the investment because she was going into a neighborhood in Chicago that held its property value in comparison to some, uh, some other neighborhoods that 
don't have um, the same ability to hold or appreciate in value. Eventually, all property will go up. Mm -hmm. But the, the blessing in that was for me able to be able to talk to her as you know, another black professional, and I don't say that from um, an elitist perspective. Uh, she was a part of what I call the educated poor of Chicago. Credentialed, holding a job, hardworking, under-resourced, underemployed, as a licensed teacher and one of the, arguably one of the better um, school systems of our, of our country to work in. Not necessarily in the overall <laughs> delivery of educational resources, but my point in saying that is now she has a resource despite all of the other ills of our local society, the isms that she has to come across or overcome as a black woman, sexism, racism, but she has an asset that will increase in value that she can potentially sell in a couple of years for profit or she can manipulate to send her children to school. And so it's one of those things whereby through education, through advocacy, through facilitating resources, we creatively, you know, try to present options or opportunities in this context, in this ministry, um, for people to experience some justices, some allocations. Um, I want to say some heaven down here on earth, uh, whereby we're educating people. We're feeding people through our food pantry, healthy meals, um, and we're trying to enlighten uh, folk on how to navigate the inherent inertia of injustices that we're plagued by to live a better day. So if I had to translate, translate that and break mm -hmm. it down into a few words, mm -hmm. into sentences, I'd say you do a lot of teaching, educating, um, the community, as well as following up with it with taking them through or guiding them through the steps, mm -hmm. assisting them with, through the steps to make a better life for themselves. I won't necessarily say to buy a home. That was just the example that you gave. Yes, yes. So would you say that most of the people you serve are from this neighborhood, this community, or, or do they come into the community to come get what you have to give? Good question. As far as the members of my church, they're driving in. Mm -hmm. They used to live in this community. They moved out. And they're trying to rekindle a sense of yesteryear by coming back in. Um, through our food pantry, we serve people within this community. Through my education efforts through uh, the University of Chicago Woodlawn Charter School, I teach two classes there. Uh, to seniors, college-level courses, uh, one on business entrepreneurship and another one on criminal law. Um, those are children, if not directly in this community, um, they are coming from Washington Park, they're coming from Chatham, they're coming from Inglewood. That's what's up. <laughs> they're coming from, believe it or not, the west side of Chicago. Um, in an effort to navigate um, the inherent injustice of public education. And 
I'm fortunate to teach there because within that cohort of students, the propaganda that is pushed on them is that if they work hard, they have mainstream character and they exude grit, they'll be successful. And what I try to do is tell them that there will come a time in your life that if you just focus on those things, there will be a shortcoming, not by your merit, not by your effort, but you don't see the bigger issues at play that are working against you. And so we're reading books like The Color of Law, The Color of Money. We're exposing them to the riotous activity of the Freedmen's Bureau that took freed slaves' money and resources, absconded it, gave it back to the prisoners of war of the Confederacy, whereby they were forgiven of their war crimes in the Civil War, and given land back to them that was supposed to go to freed slaves, 40 acres of meal, which we've never seen, that began to, in the proliferation of white supremacy, allowed them to build into Lincoln's dream of industrialization, particularly in the South, moving from the agrarian reality of what uh, Southern Confederacies were fighting for, um, that have given them a passport to build wealth on top of their war crimes. And so, what I try to do, in particular within the educational sphere, even here in the church, mm -hmm. is to speak truth to power to take the shackles off of eyes in the spirit of Carter G. Woodson to ensure that we're not miseducated. And I'm not suggesting that I have all the, the answers, but just as I preach, I'm a student first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we miss the ball, quite honestly, um, because even the way we set up our churches, <laughs> they're backwards in the Judeo-Christian uh, context. The synagogue is a school first, worship center second. You talk to Orthodox Jews today, they don't bemoan, like we as black folks in our context is different, about keeping a roof over our head, food on the table. Their greatest ex expense is how do we pay for yeshiva? How do we educate our children? How do we educate and make sure that our communities have institutions of learning? Similar concept, if you will. The missional concept of what you experienced um, at the Pinewood School. Um, but as far as the way in which we embrace it in our community, <laughs> we're just so off base. Not because we're bad people. Not because we're less than, but perspective as far as where our priorities should be. And so for me, education, edification rather, becomes priority for outreach and the way in which we uh, provide service to our community. So that's uh, that's that right there to me is deep when you have the adults first the, the adults that are that have moved and then are coming back mm -hmm. but the youth are pretty much from around the community. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. What do you really want them? And it's not, not the, not the, not the surface mm -hmm. objective. Mm -hmm. But if I had, if I had to say, what is your personal objective that you would like to see? You may not. It comes out when mm -hmm. you teach it, mm -hmm. and everything you do. 
but it may not necessarily be worded. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's your personal objective for the, the, the specifically the youth that you teach? I want, because I teach black children, mm-hmm. to be clear, I want them to, know, them to know that they are special, uh, that they should not uh, allow themselves to be measured by standardized tests to measure their ability, whereby the true essence of their native intelligence is nothing that we can kind of find a book. You take a kid here in Chicago who has had to navigate, even with the structure of having two parents in the home, without having two parents in the home, being raised by a grandmother or auntie, or even having to raise themselves, and the wherewithal to get up and come and navigate life every day is a skill set that can't be taught in more endowed communities and still want to make it and still not give up on life. You're special. Two, understanding the systems that are at play to proliferate the privileged 1%. You need to see the play of greed that affects us all. But more importantly, it's not to be envious of those who are greedy or who set the power structure that defines what criminal justice is or is not. But it is to understand the scheme and subscribe to a life of righteousness, not religiousness, righteousness, to go another way, to understand that the greatest commandments, there are two, love God with everything, But more importantly, love your neighbors, yourself. If I can get them to understand their responsibility to community or for community within our context, because what we don't do for ourselves, nobody else will do for us. There's no grant out there. There's no subsidy like us coming together, pooling our resources, holding one another accountable to build community. If I can get them to understand that, no matter who you are individually, your persuasion, Um, if you can be a more loving person, kind and considerate person, a person who has self-efficacy, you can make your community a better place and by default, our city a better city, our state a better state, a world a better world. But you have to see it through the right lens. Mm And so often, we have schemes afoot by people who think they mean us well um, and maybe not even know how they're being utilized by other systematic forces um, that don't allow us to put our efforts in the right place. We ch- I hear all the time, oh, <laughs> these kids got into school. They're going to top colleges. Some with funding, some without. Not understanding, even within the context of buying homes and getting a college education, how that's still saddling people with debt or subscribing to a system that doesn't necessarily allow us the opportunity to get ahead. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Subscribing to a system. Mm -hmm. 
Now, subscribing to a system is just that. No matter what you're doing, mm -hmm. whether you're playing within the system or you, mm -hmm. you know. So when I ask the question on what's what's your personal objective, mm -hmm. if they came out and their objective, like they reached, they got what you mm -hmm. wanted them to get, but their perspective or where they were going, what they wanted to do with what you gave them mm -hmm. was not the same. For instance, you said be righteous, mm -hmm. but they took the information and did not care to be righteous. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wonder if, like, what, when you say subscribing to the system, what do you mean? Be more, And what I mean when I say be more specific, because for me, mm -hmm. the system... Subscribing to the system is being a part of the system, as you agree, mm -hmm. knowingly or not. Mm -hmm. So right now we're all in the system. Mm -hmm. But when we are teaching about it through economics, mm -hmm. which is to me the best way, because you under it gives it it breaks down like our system, our government, the way it's set up. Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. you know pretty much the things that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So. My thing is to chant it down. Mm -hmm. I don't personally see where fitting inside of it works. So, like, me teaching it is hoping, like, my personal mm -hmm. objective would be for them to see the truth in it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like when you really see the truth in it, you don't want a part of it. Mm -hmm. You want to recreate. You want to create something new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something that really works. What's a win-win? Mm -hmm. And if not a win-win, which is... The thing, <laughs> the best thing, mm -hmm. and really the only thing, a win for you, <laughs> at the least. Mm -hmm. So, what do you mean when you say? So, we need to divinely imagine a new day. A beloved community, in the words of Martin Luther King, and this whole notion of divine imagination, I attribute that to Otis Moss III a practical theologian who is a uh, house here in Chicago, national uh, religious figure. The reality is, is that when I was coming out of undergrad, I wanted to be a corporate lawyer. And I thought that going and having a big job with a big salary would make my life and my marriage um, work and give me the fulfillment that I didn't have before because I never experienced that. And the point in sharing that mishap or miscalculation, if you will, is that achieving those things uh, was playing not only to the tune of somebody else, and not to say that you have to be a self-starter for the sake of being a self-starter, but what I did not know is, is that I'm literally playing to somebody else's agenda. That more likely than not, there's going to be something that I don't agree with. Not saying that I can't be disagreeable. But the empire, imperialism, is antithetical to what I've been trained ever since I was a young person to believe in and stand for. And so, when you talk about economics as a study of decision-making, 
in particular amongst the allocation of scarce resources. That system that we're talking about says, go strive for the American dream. <laughs> fit in. But it's not for you to fit, and it's not for you to have the dream. And so, if I am going to be countercultural, and I understand that unless if you are a kid who goes to a great neighborhood school or you're fortunate enough to have the aptitude that's cultivated the resources to get into a selective enrollment school, CPS is probably not something that um, would be a good fit for me in my value system, right? And so, not so much as saying that I can't go and make it better or do my part. It might be behoove me to align with people who have like-minded values and start something. Myself, the champions of education that I believe in. Not about being separatist, or maybe it is about being separatist. But I could easily go and fit in, do what I'm told, collect a check, save my money and retire, um, and play a game. But to what end? Where is it deliverable when the masses of people are not benefiting because there is nothing of substance that is transpiring to renew, to revive a system of education that is failing our children, particularly in the Washington parts, the Inglewoods, now even the Chathams, um, the East Side, uh, Grand Crossing, um, over West, the communities of color of our city. And so, we always say fit, fit in. Don't rock a boat. Mm -hmm. Keep your head down. Assimilate. There's not really any, very much utility for that when you really see that the intentionality in particular of the construction of laws in this country, housing laws, criminal laws, banking policies, the intentionality of our government to marginalize black and brown people and, and our brown brothers and sisters are mobilizing and organizing like never before. Mm -hmm. They're awakening. They're awakening. Whereas I grew up middle class in North Carolina. It was a badge of honor for my mother to say, we're the only black family in this neighborhood. We've arrived. Negating the fact that the people who we should have been building with, we were looking down upon because they didn't have the same economic resources. So when you take an Orthodox Jewish community, the rabbi, the doctor, the entrepreneur, they're all living together. And they're all invested in the development of each other's children. Whereas this notion of the talented tenth, our best and our brightest are, unless if they have some sort of um, either conviction, and I don't mean to be cynical, or economic development plan, they are not reinvesting in our community. They're not trying to build bridges. Um, with our brothers and sisters at all levels. Maybe it's a little bit different in Chicago because we're a well-pronounced segregated city. Um, south side of the south side, you have the certification of professional black folks mm -hmm. 
across communities, right? But the intentionality that we're working together, that we're living together, and we're not saying uh, insensitive things like baby in them, nene in them, but to understand that Naisha and Raekwon and Walter and Jasmine and Lisa are all of our children. They're all of our responsibility. And collectively, we're working and embracing um, a value system, a black value system, to build stronger and safer communities. That's what I'm trying to impress upon them. So with that being said, how do you say, because you are that two different institutions, the church mm -hmm. is an institution, again, institutionalized, that is in support of, and see, my whole thing, especially around what was going on with COVID, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've always had this thing with churches, you know, and Christianity. But coming back, knowing that a lot of the community have left the church mm -hmm. and some of the reasons why. So I kind of want this question to kind of bleed into that. Hopefully you'll talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, with supporting, even supporting a system that listening to you, you see it's time for something different. Mm -hmm. You see it's time for something new that's in support of us. Mm -hmm. And when I say us, I mean black people. And when I say black people, I'm speaking of mm -hmm. descendants of Africans. <laughs> mm -hmm. So born and raised in this country. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, how do you see yourself? How do you see the church, be, like like I said, a, a, a institution that supported something that mm -hmm. you're not with, mm -hmm. how do you see being now that you're a part of it mm -hmm. in a leading role? How do you see yourself in that role and bringing who you are to the role? Well, I come out of Trinity yeah. United Church of Christ, where, you know, Christ community and culture, you know, unashamedly, apologetically Christian, unashamedly black. Um, and I worked there for eight years where... 24 hours, 365 days for times eight years, being black, celebrating that you're black. Um, you know, it was just totally acceptable and it was a norm. Um, and we loved our Africanity, quite honestly, more than we loved our Christianity. It was a brilliant experience. Then I come here to a historic United Methodist Church that's steeped in history too, but one uh, that is imbued with what I call black respectability pro uh, politics, uh, one that um, has the scars of institutionalized racism and the marginalization of black Methodists in this uh, um, city, whereby uh, the folk here who overcame that are very proud uh, and very dignified um, and uh, very accomplished and, and, and really want to mirror and champion that, you know, their ice is as cold as anybody else's ice, or that they can be as Methodist as anybody who's white, while negating the fact that there's still a, a scheme of assimilation there. And so um, my first year here, I just kind of toned it down. Um, year two, standing on the table talking about things. Um, then pandemic hits. Uh, and we have a different set of issues. Uh, you know, every Sunday, you know, with the support of our new tech team, we're stumping, trying to get Raphael Warnock uh, 
to the U.S. Senate, even though he's in Georgia, we're here in Illinois, encouraging people to get out and vote, um, talking about getting tested for COVID, uh, wearing a mask, more importantly, getting vaccinated, dispelling and debunking the myths. Um, I hate to be cynical, but the foolishness around that. Um, and so with that, again, it just comes back to the core, speaking truth to power, edifying our people with information, challenging them to critique, um, to think critically about who they are, our social location, how we can make it better. Because that that we don't do for us, we're not condemned. You mentioned unity, all right? That's another uh, Piney Woods concept that I really truly believe was designed uh, like almost like a project mm -hmm. to see what what would come what would it what would come out mm -hmm. how they just brought us from all around the world mm -hmm. black black children from all around the world mm -hmm. different levels social levels uh, and uh, financial you know all of that there we might have had. We had a, a student from Germany, and some other place that was very odd. <laughs> it was just one of them, you know. <laughs> and the idea of all of the different, all of that difference, all of the differences brought together to experience and create something new. Mm -hmm. Finding out who you could unify with, you mm -hmm. unite with, and build with. Um, with that being said, how do you see Christianity doing that with other religions as it relates to African, mm -hmm. traditional African religions that uh, a lot of our people now are afraid of? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, it's not a problem. Uh, I did my doctorate in Pan-African theology. So, uh, with that, I see the remnant we talk about black church, mm -hmm. Clabin, the Pentecostal bump. That's African traditional religion. I've been to Ghana, did two study tours, one in South Africa, one in uh, Ghana. I uh, went to a fetish priest, and our professor, Lee Bartlett, was like, you know, did I go and have an experience? This is not Christian. So the first time I did it, you know, I went, and I didn't want you know, anything that was not like Christ to overtake me. I was like, all right, let's just go and have the experience. Brother's like, I'm going to dance. That the coldest rhythm section ever. I'm not talking keyboards. I'm not talking bass. But 20 African youth, but as young as, say, 10, as old as maybe 25, 27, beating on drums, the coldest beats you've ever heard, Synchronated, synchronized movements. I mean, just really, really spectacular thing. This woman comes, uh, statuesque, look like she could be you know, at the L station, down at 55th and Garfield, um, all white, little boy, and she starts to do what Called in African traditional religion the rain shower. I was like, that's what we do on Sunday morning when the spirit gets happening. So we talk about uh, Orisha or um, Ja, uh, 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 
you know, Michael Lomax, Presbyterian minister, uh, but also holds him out, you know, as a traditional Yoruba priest. You got to be open. Now, mind you, I'm different. Your average black Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, they're not going there. I'm thankful that I had, you know, mentors or as a Jeremiah Rape fellow who exposed me to that. Um, and so with that, uh, somebody come and joining our church. One of our uh, faithful members who, you know, is very integral in our tech ministry, um, is always witness. He's here because he gets something out of it. He's behind a camera, overwhelmed with tears because of the message that is coming out of love and liberation. My son, before he went to Piney Woods, when he was living with me here in Chicago, um, was a student at Muhammad University, Nation of Islam. I'm ordained executive director associate pastor at Trinity United Church of Christ, one of the largest Protestant congregations in the world. And I sent my son to be taught at Farrakhan School. Why did I do that? The discipline, the safety, and the champion of knowledge of self, the champion of the black, uh, the beauty of black children. I would do it all over again. My point in saying that is we have to be pluralistic particularly within, you know, the black context. Um, and we want to see blacks, you know, represented in different ways, uh, the Baha'is. Um, we want to see them, um, you know, practicing Buddhism or embracing those who have different faiths. Uh, because if I profess that God is omnipotent, God should be able to manifest God's self to many different people through many different mediums. Oh my gosh. So I'll challenge you mm -hmm. to it not to just be you. Mm -hmm. You have been given the key mm -hmm. because you are sitting in the catbird seat with the one that don't know. Mm -hmm. You're the one that gets to do this. Mm -hmm. This is my unity circle. I connect at the hands and the feet. Yeah. And some people, when you can't hold, say your hands are sweating, we're still connected. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then everybody doesn't have the ability, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And even on that, on a, on a, on a mental level, mm -hmm. because a lot of the things I say, I, count, I come here, I came here to bring something to people. Mm -hmm. And I know with my following, and my following is all about myself, mm -hmm. all about me believing in, and I've, had, I've gone through different Practices, mm -hmm. rituals, ceremonies. Mm -hmm. I was I grew up a Christian. I was baptized mm -hmm. a Catholic. I chose that on my own mm -hmm. at the age of five. It's, mm -hmm. My story is really amazing. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna get back to me coming here to Chicago mm -hmm. to bring something. And what I realized is there's there's one thing, and I I had to realize it about myself, mm -hmm. right? And I bring it through my experience. Mm -hmm. My experience is a wealth of myself my elders and my ancestors mm, mm. and the fact that I pay homage to them mm. you, you mentioned earlier in the conversation um, which is a part of the gap that we miss mm. and that's that dis which brings the distrust on both sides mm. of generation generational gap mm -hmm. um, 
with not paying homage to elders mm -hmm. uh, and as ancestors, you miss the blessing. Mm -hmm. That's just the way the universe works. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, there is a place where people, even though I can meet people where they're at, but knowing something else, and that, then there's timing. So there's the, when I say timing, my ego gets in the way because I want them to get it faster. Mm -hmm. I know you got it. I just want you to get it faster, mm -hmm. and I'm here to give it to you. But everybody can't walk through certain doors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my challenge to you is to give the ones that don't have it that message even when they don't want to hear it. Mm. Because I find that, especially us, mm -hmm. when we don't, there's a part of that looking down at each other again, or looking across at each other, or misunderstanding something. Mm -hmm. Or uh, for me, a lot of, like you said, uh, knowing self, that whole thing is so important. Mm -hmm. Because when you know that, you can't be misled by someone. Mm. You stand with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. It's okay to follow. Mm -hmm. But you understand and you are accountable for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that to me is important, which leads me to the next thing uh, as it relates to Christianity. First, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between a reverend and a pastor? <laughs> Interchangeable. Um, you know, a pastor is a role uh, whereby you are uh, providing um, leadership to uh, a church or a flock. Um, you're not necessarily, if you're a pastor, you're a reverend, but if you're a reverend, you're not necessarily a pastor. Sometimes they use the, uh, the, the, the terms interchangeably, but you have a responsibility to a congregation when you're a pastor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So it's interchangeable. So I mentioned to you I had a dream. What a wonderful conversation. Okay, so did you all figure it out yet? Honestly, it was two. But this second one took first place. So, the champion of knowledge of self. What do we always talk about here? I find it amazing how spirit leads me to people that actually more interest in conversations through agreement and disagreement. But my favorite was the play of greed that affects us all. We just talked about that. The play of greed that affects us all that goes back to the beginning of time. You feel me? Love your neighbor. Rev reminded us of the passage, love your neighbor as yourself. When you think about it, we are loving our neighbors like we love ourselves because most of us don't really love ourselves. So we treat others the way we know how. I realize that a lot of my neighbors in Inglewood don't really know what love is, so they don't understand the love that I bring. But I keep on loving you until you get it. And I have one of my own. Love yourself and always put God first for they are one and the same. Because God is within you. You're in her image, his image, thy image. The I am that exists in us all is the connection. Now, bringing your attention back to the conversation that I was having with 
the elders slash owners of this establishment that I want to I wanted to have the podcast at. The woman she spoke, I did not interrupt her. I allowed her to really share her thoughts and opinions, even with the triggers. But see, I know how to work through triggers. I know that, and I've been taught on how to grieve. I taught myself, and I went through it myself. That's how. That's that's the thing when I when I think about people that are out here. All the new people that are waking up and teaching or coaching. When they just started, this this is not something that just starts. This is a, a lifelong thing, especially for our people with the type of trauma that we have experienced. And the residue, okay? So she kept talking and when i started to talk and i said something to her that did not sit well with her that triggered her she could not handle it which let me know she does not know how to deal with emotions as they come up like that especially and in business black women this is where we fail excuse me this is where y'all fail (laughs) i've learned the hard way it drew me right back to the conversation that I had with Iman. And her whole thing was, well, y'all wasn't doing it, so we wasn't going to wait around. We just did it. That whole generation is on that tip as to where my generation had a lot of emphasis and energy placed on respect for elders, education, and things like that. When we're moving into a new world, and respect means something different. This elder asked me what community meant. So I'd like to ask, I have a question for elders. What does respect mean to you? The one thing she said that I definitely agree with is that people don't want to change. They don't want to do better. And that's why the question I'm asking you all, is freedom of choice? real because if you think it is then you will account for self and you be ready for this new world there's work that has to be done and you have to learn how to connect with your brothers and sisters inside your home and outside your home and on that note y'all i want to give thanks to my sponsors and monthly supporters Rev, I look forward to the next conversation with you. I so enjoyed it. I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds, signing off and out. Feels my being getting choked in the throat. A reason for living. It is like even when I might see adversity penetrating my communities, creating perceptions that we need to be freed.